0: Welcome to episode 609 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard
1: and I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows and games, but not
0: games this time cuz well I was I was promised games.
1: Yeah, though, there's games. <laughs> You're going to get your own show I think, right?
0: Yeah, we are going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh, it is the week of CES, and that does tend to mean that we do things a little bit differently. Everything is different this year, starting with the fact that we're both at home, home, away from each other.
1: Right. We're both at home, away from each other. Actually, this hasn't happened in like Adver. the last 10 years, because I was not at home two years ago when we were both remote, but not together. And then last, yeah, we don't need to go through the recount. <laughs> but the point is, we're usually not at home for CES. Right. And we're
0: usually together, or at least one of us is usually in in Vegas. And that's not the right,
1: case here. Right. And I'm just not ready to be in Vegas. And... Well, we both had crazy weeks, so here we are. Yeah, exactly.
0: So we are here to cover the news. The other weird thing that we're doing, as Richard was teasing, is we're actually going to give you two podcasts this week. It's CES, so there's a lot to cover, but it's also not all out just yet, but there's been a lot of TV news already, a fair amount of audio news already. We're going to cover both of those things tonight. I'm going to produce a separate episode tomorrow to talk about all of the gaming stuff because Richard doesn't care. I mean, maybe he cares about some of it, but he won't have much to contribute. So I'll probably do that one solo. Yeah, I'm totally
1: taking the night off.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that one will be focusing on the gaming monitors, the new laptops, and all the other cool stuff coming out related to gaming as a separate episode. So uh, as is another usual thing with our CES episodes, we are not going to do any listener feedback this week, but if you want to send us some for next week, you can email us at entertainment 20 at com. And with that, we will dig into what is, of course, always the the highest priority thing for us to talk about from CES, and that is televisions. Yep. And unfortunately, we aren't going to see any of them since we're not in Vegas. I
1: know. That, that is the thing that kills me. As I was going through all the news, I'm thinking, normally, we're here and able to talk about how amazing something looked. And we just don't know.
0: Well, and not to be a downer, but I think if there was ever going to be a year that we were not in Vegas to see the TVs, we picked the right year. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to be a jerk or, or, or play down any of the things that we're going to talk about, but a lot of the stuff this year is incremental. It's incremental. Exactly. It, it, it's a little bit better than last year. None of the, the major companies really have like major new things. There's a couple of quirky ones, but no huge groundbreaking things. Last year we had QD OLED. We had a little bit more information about micro LED. Mini LED was becoming a much bigger thing. There's no huge thing this year, but a lot of nice improvements that you would expect. So we will start with LG. I think we're just going to keep starting with LG every year until another company gives us a reason to start with them instead.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Because LG still makes the best TVs that normal humans can buy. So... They do actually have one kind of new thing. It it, it is a new series. It is the M3 series. And the M line, uh, I don't even know that it's a line. I think it's really just one TV. It is a 97-inch OLED, which I think, I didn't dig in and and fully research, but I think that's the biggest consumer-available OLED ever announced, Mm. I think. OLEDs don't typically get super huge. So it's big. It's really big. And it's pretty stinking bright, especially for an OLED. They say it'll reach almost 2,000 nits of peak brightness. And we're going to have to dig into a a couple of these uh, specs and, and various attributes of these TVs a few times just to recap everybody on what all of these things mean. Nits, peak brightness, nits is is a unit for lighting. It's just the higher the number, the brighter it is. And all of these numbers that we're going to talk about tonight are peak brightness. That is what all of the television manufacturers give you. It does not mean that the entire panel can be 2,000 nits of brightness at one time. (laughs) Peak brightness means a segment of the TV Gets this bright and they don't tell you how big that segment is either so it's not always the most useful thing but it is at least uh, it's the closest thing we have to do in apples to apples comparisons between all of these tvs
1: yeah the other thing that i feel like we often don't get enough information on at least not consistently across brands is the contrast ratio because peak brightness is great but I, I think unless you understand what that contrast ratio is for, okay, peak brightness, then what does that mean in terms of darkness? Now, in OLED, it's going to be amazing because off is off, right? Right. But when we get to LEDs with mini or LCDs with mini LED lighting and stuff like that, then that really matters.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, because if the contrast ratio isn't really high, and other technology things don't come, aren't done to alleviate some of the problems with LED TVs. You end up with a really bright white thing, and then like gray, this shadowy <laughs> stuff right. next to it when it should be black. And that's why we love o- OLED TVs because, as Richard said, OLEDs, if it needs to be black, they just turn the pixel off. It doesn't get blacker than off, and so. <laughs> <laughs> So a bright you know the brightest white pixel next to a pixel that's off that's basically infinite contrast or it's not actually but you know practically speaking so anyway 97 inch OLED with 2000 its peak brightness is much higher than a regular OLED TV than we've seen in previous years the other cool thing about this is that it's a other than power it's a wireless TV they are broadcasting, and maybe that's not the right word, but they are streaming the video and audio signal to the TV from a separate discrete signal box, they're calling it. So you plug all of your streaming boxes and video game consoles and all that stuff into the signal box that can be positioned somewhere else in the room. And then the box is wirelessly streaming a 4K 120 hertz signal to the TV, I don't know what technology they're using for, to, to, they're using to do that, but that's impressive.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's really amazing. I mean, I'm blown away by my Samsung frame that has all of that going through a tiny little fiber. Uh, this is going through the air.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's really cool. Uh, but as is the case with most of the really cool brand new things that you've never seen before at CES we don't know how much it's going to cost and we can guess it's going to be a lot and this will not actually be a, <laughs> a consumer level TV so a cool cool idea maybe something we'll see in a couple years time on actual consumer priced TVs so coming back into the to the real world of of TVs that you could actually buy Everything is just one digit higher with LG this year. Uh, So that means that the higher end, uh, you know, the the real world flagship TV from LG on the OLED side is the G3 replaces last year's G2. It's supposed to be up to 70% brighter than last year's G2 and might achieve up to about 1800 nits of peak brightness, which is still really bright for an OLED. Like most OLEDs that that we're talking about nowadays, they're in the like 900 nits range for the good ones. So this is still way brighter, way brighter than before. And and CNET is reporting that it might be brighter than some of the QD OLED TVs that we talked about last year. And the main difference with QD being quantum dot, OLED TVs that were announced last year—they're brighter than OLED TVs and don't uh, don't uh, probably aren't as susceptible to burn-in as OLED TVs are. So potentially brighter than last year's QD OLEDs, but still probably not going to be brighter than this year's latest mini LED TVs that we're going to get to in a little bit. The G3, sticking with uh, roughly the same sizes as last year, it'll be available in 55, 65, and 77-inch sizes, all very common, no prices on any of this stuff. They'll be coming in the spring. Also, new version of the C-series, the C3. David Katzmeyer over at CNET said, "It, it can't really tell a difference from last year's C2. They're not even really talking about massive... Spec jumps here on the C series. That's maybe disappointing, but the C two was the the, the, right. the best TV for the, for the dollar.
1: Right, exactly. It'll be great again.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: So <laughs> I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I do have a problem with the fact that they're bumping the number just because they're bumping all the other numbers. But whatever. A uh, fun story about the C series. So uh, my friend. Our friend, uh, Chris Milligan, who typically comes with us to CES and kind of acts as a an on-floor producer with us, has uh, recently acquired a new C-series. And I talked him into going from 65 to 77, and he told me that it's so good it's making him motion sick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so he may be exchanging it for the smaller one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's the the C series also. They also have a Z3. This is their 8K line of TVs, 30 to 40% brighter than last year, available in 77 and 83 inch models. But n- nothing has changed on, on my opinion on 8K TVs I- until we're to the point where there's lots of 8K content and you're realistically placing 100 inch or bigger TVs in your house. There's no point in getting an 8K TV. So there's not really much else to say about these 8K TVs.
1: And that's interesting, right? Because we're at another year. This is probably the fourth year. At least. When we've said that it's not time to buy an 8K 8K
0: TV yet. No, still not. Still not. And (laughs) we're going to get to TCL in a little bit. TCL, still shipping 720p TVs (laughs) while we're also talking about 8K TVs it's amazing yeah. the world we live in. So that's LG. Let's jump over to Samsung. Samsung like it it doesn't get more iterative than than what Samsung is doing this year. Their TVs basically lots of software that they're trying to use to improve things. And so Samsung TVs are still really good. Their their QD OLEDs, their mini LED based TVs, they're still really good. They're just not going to be dramatically better. Than last year, at least from a hardware perspective. However, their coolest thing that they've been showing for a few years is micro LED, and micro LED is the technology that we think will someday surpass OLED as the the supreme technology in terms of of picture quality. And the reason for that is it, it works in a very similar way. To OLED, in that it's individual pixels that that are lighting themselves and can be turned off, just like OLED. The problem is that it's really difficult to do. It's really difficult to make them really really small, and when it's that difficult, it also means it's really friggin' expensive. So, <laughs> what I think is one of the weirdest things about the announcement from Samsung: announcement about a TV. They said, it's the world's smallest and most affordable micro LED screen. (laughs) When has anybody ever had an announcement that they were happy about making the world's smallest television?
1: (laughs) It's perfect for your bathroom. Uh,
0: Yeah, at 76 inches. So they do have this technology now, uh, but... They're still not talking prices and and all of that. And it's like, this is still going to be tens, many tens of thousands of dollars. So they're moving in the right direction. But like last year's micro LED TVs, some of them were $140,000. So this still is nowhere near consumer ready technology in terms of pricing. But we'll keep watching and keep waiting to see what Samsung is going to do with this.
1: Isn't this pretty much the same thing as the crystal LCD from Sony? I believe it is. I think that that's the where, again, every pixel is its own light source. And
0: I think so, but I'm not positive.
1: And and intended primarily, at least initially when they were working on it for large installations. So, exactly. Yeah.
0: Like this technology from Samsung was first shown. God, it must have been like 2018 and they called it the wall because they can turn this technology into an entire wall of a TV, which sounds cool, except that the pixels are still kind of big. They were especially big back in 2018. They're getting smaller now, but yeah, it's coming. It's coming. So let's move on to TCL because I... I put TCL up there in in the group of the big 3 when it comes to consumer focused TVs in the United States especially because TCL has basically been trying to chase after Samsung it's entire existence essentially it, it it's trying to flood the market with every possible range of TVs I joked earlier that they have a 720p set in the 2023 lineup it's true they also have everything up to 8K and as we talked about last year, their best TVs are now using Mini LED. So we talked about OLED, we talked about Micro LED. Mini LED is kind of like uh, it's not an in-between state, but it is a lot brighter than uh, LED TVs typically. So it Mini LED is a, is a different type of LED technology. We're not going to get into all of the the specifics and stuff, but it. It is typically a lot brighter than regular LED TVs, and they typically uh, are able to do them with with far more areas of local dimming, which goes back to what Richard was talking about a few minutes ago with contrast ratio, when you can have more local dimming zones, which really just means more flashlights behind the screen to light up that area of the screen. <laughs> If you have more lights, that means you can also turn off more of those lights to get a better contrast ratio between the really bright and the really dark scenes. So mini LED, really, really nice alternative to uh, to the, the more traditional LED TVs that you see in lower price TVs nowadays. So Maybe the most frustrating thing from TCL is that they're changing their branding (laughs) for years. We've talked about the TCL four series, five series, and six series and said, go buy six series. They're awesome. Yeah, they're not called that anymore. There's now the Q series, which is the really good ones and the S series. And then those have numbers within them. So we're really only going to talk here about the Q series with one minor exception, because I don't even know what series this will be in, but they did say at CES this week that they are planning to release a QD OLED TV later this year, but basically gave no other specs. They did say they would be using the QD OLED panel that Samsung is providing, which I think makes them the third manufacturer using (laughs) Samsung's panels, because I think Sony is using them also. So... They'll have one later this year, but we don't really know anything else about it. So what is the cool stuff coming? Well, it's kind of weird, but could be really cool. And it's a new feature. I'm sorry, Richard. This is the only gaming thing that we're going to talk about this week, but it's a feature in these TVs. It's not? Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. It's not. It is the main one, though. So they have a new feature called Game Accelerator, and... It's an interesting technology that gives you a higher refresh rate on the screen. Refresh rate is incredibly important for really fast-paced games, um, and combined with variable refresh rate technology, it makes it so that the screen images are appearing at the same time that the game is able to render them, which it makes it for a less blurry experience when you're playing Fast paced games or watching fast paced content. So, having a higher refresh rate is important. That's why we've been really excited about 120 hertz native TVs like the C2 series uh, from LG last year. And this technology will double the refresh rate of these TVs, but it does it by cutting the vertical resolution in half. So, a 4K TV is 2160 pixels high. If you cut that in half, that's 1080. So you're effectively reducing the vertical resolution to that of a 1080p TV, but taking the high-end QM8 TV from being a 120 Hertz refresh rate to a 240 Hertz refresh rate.
1: That's really interesting. Like the first thing that I thought of is, wait a minute, is that 2160i? But it's not really, <laughs> no because you're duplicating the lines. Each line is just going to be kind of double thick, if you will.
0: Yeah, that is a good way to think about it. Yeah. Huh. huh. So I'm very curious to see how this works out in reality. No one's actually gotten to try it yet, because uh, it's still fairly early in the week. The show floor hasn't even officially opened yet when we're recording the show on Wednesday we'll see like resolution matters too but it all really depends on your use case there are super competitive gamers who play very you know high speed fast paced games where refresh rate matters more than resolution and if that's the case for you then this might be the the TV set for you so that's the the TCL QM8 and it is a mini LED TV with sizes ranging from 65 to Ninety-eight inches, which is, I, I like. It's hard for me to even imagine a an actual television set that's mm-hmm. almost a hundred inches large.
1: Right. I don't think I have a door with the proper <laughs> swing space, right, to be able to get that in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And because it's mini LED, they're saying that it'll max out at twenty-eight hundred nits, which is crazy bright. And on the biggest one, they're saying roughly 2,800 local dimming zones. And for a little bit of reference, when we're talking about good TVs with lo- and their local dimming zones, lately we've been talking about dimming zones in the couple hundred range, maybe yeah. the 500 range, nothing close to 2,800, but that is only on the 98-inch TV. They 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 didn't give... Local dimming zones for the smaller sizes, but they did say that it would be significantly fewer on the smaller TVs and then uh lastly with with the Tcl series it's an odd numbered year, so that means they're shipping with Google TV instead of Roku so if that annoys you, buy a Roku streaming stick and plug it in and the problem solved
1: yeah and and as a reminder there, every year they rev with the other ecosystem so this is the year that the rev includes the google tv
0: exactly yeah in 2022 they did roku now we're getting google tv
1: and google tv seems to be pretty big this year hisense was also talking about google tv in all of their devices so hisense this year is announcing some updates to its u series now uh, the u6 something i forget which number they use after it is probably thought to be one of the most affordable TVs that you can buy a 4K TV at $600, basically. And the new version of the U6, the U7, and the U8 are all out. These are TVs ranging from 50 to 85 inches. They also have a UX, which is, I would think of, As their like pro model, if you will, and these are all mini LED, so they all have that whole array of LED lighting behind them. Here's where this gets really interesting. We were just talking about those different local dimming zones. Their U6 has a 200 ish dimming zones built in. The U7 series has 500. The U8 has a thousand, and the UX has a whopping 5,000 dimming zones. It's not exactly 5,000 because of, you know, whatever number you need to get to a the right number uh, you know, of <laughs> a, a perfectly aligned grid, but uh, that's a crazy number of dimming zones. That's on their 85-inch UX mini LED uh, TV, which I really, Wish I could see that would be cool, cool, cool to see their nits numbers are again competitive on the low end, and this is one of the areas where the u six is a little weak, even though it's so affordable, maybe why it's so affordable the the uh, peak brightness is at six hundred nits on that on the u seven it's at a thousand on the u eight it's at fifteen hundred and an impressive twenty five hundred nits on the u x so Really good numbers there. All of these support FreeSync. So as I mentioned, this is not the only time that we are talking about gaming. I too am mention, mentioning something relevant about gaming. And the seven, eight, and X series offer a gaming rate of one forty-four. Which That's a,
0: it's a really common refresh rate for computer mon for gaming monitors.
1: Yeah, but doesn't strike me as all that great comparatively, even on their top model, the X series.
0: Well, for TVs, I believe I believe TCL, I think it was TCL launched a 144 hertz TV last year and it was like the only one doing it. I mean, again, this just comes down to gamers who need the really high refresh rate uh uh screens and as a point of comparison here, when I do the gaming show tomorrow, there are a couple of gaming monitors now that have refresh rates over 500 hertz. Right. It's stupid. It, it's just getting ridiculous.
1: <laughs> well, it's, as I think you mentioned both on Mastodon and on Twitter today or in the last day or two, your eye can't see that. Like no. What's the point of that?
0: Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah. and our friend Rob H on, on Twitter replied with, well, but the number is bigger, Josh. Like that's all that matters. <laughs> right. And right. He's obviously joking. Like
1: Rob is, Rob is a well, professional. He's joking, and, but he's not as well because the marketing people know that that will help it sell.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. If, if it's 500 Hertz, then it's over twice as good as the 240 Hertz TVs. And yeah, it's, it's just like, there is a point of diminishing returns and I don't know exactly what it is in terms of refresh rates and the human eyeball, but it seems like it's gotta be in that two to 300 Hertz range, but I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah. If you happen to be someone that understands that eye and brain thing well enough to answer that question for us, write in, let us know.
0: Yeah. I I compare this exactly the same way that that I talk about 8K TVs. The human eye cannot see the difference between 4K and 8K TVs unless you are very close or the screen is enormous. And when we're talking about how close and how big, we're talking not comfortable sizes and distances. Again,
1: you're going to get motion sick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not going to be good for you, man. Remember when you were a kid and sitting on the on the floor playing your video games, and your mom said, scoot further away from the TV, yeah, do that. <laughs> Shouldn't be that close to the TV, folks.
1: Now, one of the reasons that I really pay attention to Hisense is their Laser TV series. And I know, Josh, you and I disagree on these. You don't think these are all that great. They have evolved well over the last few years. And I'm telling you that from what I read about them, because. Neither you nor I have seen one of these newer versions of these laser TVs in the last few years. But they also today announced updates to their laser TV series. And the the two I wanted to call out are the L5H, which is the more affordable version that you can get. And, And this is essentially a short throw projector that uses lasers and is paired with a custom screen that they provide. So you're not providing your own screen. It, it, it's designed to work with a screen of their making or of the, that they provide as part of the package. They also have a new higher-end version called the L9H, and this has a three-laser system. Now, I am reading that... This is the first trichroma laser TV ever, but I could have sworn, I could have sworn that in the past they talked about how their higher-end laser TVs use three lasers, not one laser. So I don't know quite what that's all about, but I really want to see this thing because I still to this day believe that if I ever set up a home theater in my basement at some point in time, it's going to be a laser TV. So
0: we'll see. Well, here's hoping that in 2024, we both make it to Las Vegas for CES. And then we can actually see the next version of the high sense Laser TV. And maybe I'll be convinced by then.
1: Maybe. I'm going to do you one better. Here's hoping that I make it to Cedia this Mm. year.
0: And that's in September, right?
1: And that's in September. It conflicts with my annual vacation, but I can take a (laughs) vacation. from my vacation, right? To do work-ish stuff? (laughs) I don't know. We'll figure this out. Anyway, (laughs) all of these, as I mentioned, have Google TV on board, which is pretty cool. Of course, this is the new Google TV experience. These look really interesting. And uh, once again, Hisense stays competitive and um, I'm really dying to see these things.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. All right, so that's it for... Our TV stuff, it's it's worth pointing out we didn't mention Sony. And if you are a Sony fanboy, you're you're screaming at us, what about the Sony TV? Sony's press conference was going on while we're do while we're recording the show. So sorry, no Sony news. But anything that gets announced at CES that we don't talk about tonight, we'll just catch it next week. It's okay. We'll we'll make sure you hear about everything that's important.
1: And and we know that you're waiting on that because there aren't any other outlets that are going to cover Mm-mm. any of this stuff.
0: Nothing. Right? There's no one else you can turn to other than <laughs> the digital media zone. <laughs> Even though we're not there, we somehow are getting all of this information. We're so good. that We're just that good, exactly. All right, so let's switch gears and go to the audio side of things. And one of these products, it is going to be the one that we talk about last, is the one that... So far, of all of the things that I've seen, I think is the most interesting device I've seen come out of CES yet for a very weird reason. Okay, so let's start with soundbars. All of the companies must not be uh, releasing all of their information early, although that seems to be the trend. But JBL did, so we do have some information on JBL's new soundbars, and they have five new soundbars which is not uncommon for JBL we're only really going to talk about the 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 top end one it is the JBL bar 1300x this thing looks pretty sweet it is an 11.1.4 soundbar so uh that means that it is fully surround sound including um like height audio because those that dot 4 at the end means four upward firing speakers so that it sounds like you can hear things above you, not just laterally around you in, in front of and on the sides and behind you, right but above you.
1: And can I emphasize 11? I mean, I didn't even know that that was part of the Atmos spec.
0: Yeah, it probably goes pretty high. But uh, which is a little bit more doable when your soundbar has 21 speakers inside of it, <laughs> uh, plus a subwoofer, plus a wireless subwoofer. And the thing, uh, well, some of the cool things about this are that six of those 21 speakers are up-firing drivers, so they're doing a lot to really try to make sure that you can hear that that sound above you and that you can hear it in multiple places from around the room. Everything else there the whole the 11 part of that most like that is basically just software tuning to make it sound like you have 11 speakers surrounding you when you don't actually there's a few in the bar that are blasting at you and then the fun part of this is that you can pull two speakers off the sides of this thing and have completely wireless surround speakers and when I say completely wireless, I mean, these are battery powered. You don't even need to plug them into an outlet. And when you unplug them, they get 10 hours of battery life. So, you know, even if you want to watch all three of the Lords of the Rings movies, you're going to have <laughs> enough battery power to, to make it through there. And even these, uh, the, these separate detachable surround speakers also have an upfiring speaker on them. So you take a couple of these you put them behind you and you've got sound coming from behind you and it sounds like above you behind you so should produce a really really cool audio experience the other nice thing about them is that those detachable speakers which get recharged by just plugging them back into the soundbar can also just be used as bluetooth speakers as single speakers or in a stereo pair so you could pull these things off and take them out to the deck with you and have a nice stereo pair of Bluetooth speakers.
1: That's crazy. That's really cool.
0: It's really cool. Now, it's not cheap, and this is one of the few things we actually have a price for. This is a $1,700 soundbar, but it comes with all of those speakers and the 12-inch wireless sub for all of that. So I think that's still less than Sonos, right? No. It
1: would not be less. Well the arc if, is... if you consider the two rear speakers as well, because you're talking about an arc, a sub, and two ones. And yeah, yeah i it's competitive. It it may be slightly less. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's as you're talking about it, I'm like, wow, I mean I just bought an arc.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sounds pretty cool and, and it's coming out this spring. So, like I said, there are four other soundbars in this line. They have, well, three of the four have 10 inch subwoofers. The, the bottom range doesn't have a subwoofer at all, um, but they all have Atmos support. So, worth checking out all of them based on whichever one fits into your price range the best. Sticking with JBL, they are also announcing a couple new pairs of headphones. The first one, interesting pair of headphones. These are the True, sorry, the Tour Pro 2. These are wireless earbuds. Think AirPods. They look like AirPods. The thing that's different about them is the case, because this, they're calling it the smart charging case, and it has a 1.45 inch touchscreen on it. And that touchscreen allows you to control audio profiles, turn the active noise cancellation on and off, control phone calls so you could answer and hang up and mute phone calls from this thing. It'll even display notifications from text messages and social media apps and stuff. The idea here, I guess, is you can do all of this from the case instead of your phone. But
1: you still have to pull the case out of your pocket, so... <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't completely understand the point of this, but it does look Kind of cool. Uh, like I said, it does have adaptive active noise cancellation. They're IPX5 rated, so um, you know if if you want to wear them in the gym and you sweat a lot, you'll be fine with these. The battery life is good—eight hours of battery life with noise cancellation on, ten hours with it turned off—and they cost about the same as AirPods Pro. They are two hundred fifty dollars. The other headphones are the Tour One M2. This is a terrible name. 1M2 I don't yeah. know what they're doing here. Uh these are over-the-ear active noise cancelling headphones. The one kind of cool feature is that if you're listening to something and then you start talking, it'll recognize that you're talking and pause the audio. Kind of cool. I don't think they're the first headphones that do this. And then when you stop talking, it starts playing again. I wonder how long that delay is. Like if I'm talking because I'm talking to you and then I stop talking, I probably want to listen to what you're saying. So is it going to recognize that you're still talking and keep the music paused? I, I don't know. But I'm curious, Richard, as earbuds have gotten so much better and the the active noise canceling has gotten so much better in earbuds. Do people still want the giant cans for noise canceling headphones? That's a good
1: question. Now, it's been a good year and a half since I've been on a plane, but I still fly with my over-the-ear headphones because they do provide a better seal, if you will, than earbuds typically do for me. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but I find that earbuds over time tend to slip out and I'm constantly having to press them back in. And so... It's not that they fall out of my ear, they just don't keep the seal as well. And that's one of the things that traditional CAN style earphones do, or headphones, do really well. Right. Also, for what it's worth, we're wearing studio monitors now that are <laughs> that style of headphone.
0: Yes. And the the thing is that it's different headphones for different use cases, and for me, I almost never, except for in this specific case, want giant headphones on my head. They're they're hot. Uh, if I'm traveling, it means they take up a ton of room in my bag. And noise-canceling earbuds have gotten good enough that as long as I have the right tips on and stuff, I can mow my lawn with my Jabra Elite 75Ts without like cranking them up to full blast and destroying my ears. And... That's
1: pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, I I wonder how much longer your uh headphones like this are going to be around as earbuds continue to get better and better, but these the, the the other big benefit to large headphones like this is even longer battery life. These will last 30 hours with active noise canceling on and 50 hours with active noise canceling turned off. I mean, with with battery life like that, you can charge them before you leave for your trip, and leave the charger at home, and you'll have battery life for the flight there and back, and some time in between. So, those are nice. They're three hundred bucks. The other thing that I want to talk about here, though, is the JBL has said that both of these sets of headphones later this year will receive an over-the-air update that gives them Bluetooth five point three and Bluetooth LE audio support, and. People who have been listening for a while know that Bluetooth LE Audio is something that I got really excited about when it was announced last year because it's a technology that will allow headphone manufacturers to do one of two things either make the audio quality even better than what you're currently getting, or at about the same level of audio quality, increase the efficiency, meaning better battery life. So what I'm really curious about is when the update comes to these speakers, do those wireless earbuds go from eight hours of battery life to 16 hours of battery life? Because that's what I'm looking for. Like, that would be amazing.
1: Right. Or do they instead, what I would say, artificially improve the audio quality to address the people that are like, oh, Bluetooth sucks.
0: Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what you mean by artificially because it's a different codec that supports a higher bit rate at the same amount of...
1: Sure. I think, again, it's kind of getting to that point where how high do you really need to go? You're wearing headphones. You're probably in an environment that isn't entirely quiet. So whether you know, it's not like you're listening to music in a studio, (laughs) right? Right, And and so I I tend to, you know, I listen to Bluetooth through my phone in my car all the time and it sounds great. It sounds so many times better than the XM radio that everybody seems to love. And I think sounds terrible in every car that I've ever owned. So I, I just think, You know, just like that video hurts thing, we're getting to a point where in practicality does it matter for the use case?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and in headphones like the One M2s, the large over-ear headphones, you are expecting a higher quality listening experience. So maybe in that case, and, and maybe this is all customizable to the user, maybe you can Tune it more towards better sound quality where you might notice it more. But with the earbuds where, like you said, you're probably not wearing these in a spot where you're like, I am here for the audio experience, right? You're wearing them as you're cleaning your house. Like you don't care (laughs) that much about how great it, maybe you do, but it's like, it's not that great. You're doing things like, and for me, earbuds are what I'm listening to podcast on the vast majority of the time. I don't need the greatest quality sound to listen to podcasts that already mostly sound kind of crappy, right? Josh,
1: I, I went on my podcasts at 192 or greater. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> but hopefully you'll be able to adjust that setting on your 1.5, 4 uh 5 inch uh, touchscreen.
0: There we go. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, this one, it's not really a CES announcement. It just kind of happened to happen at the same time. Google rolled out an update for Pixel phones, and this is this is just the January Pixel update, and it's bringing spatial audio to the Pixel 6, Pixel 6 Pro, the 7, and the 7 Pro phones. And spatial audio is basically like surround sound, or uh, the, the audio that we were talking about from that JBL uh, soundbar earlier, where you can hear sound all around you, not just on a lateral plane, but above you, below you, that sort of thing. That's what spatial audio is. And uh, with with this update, it'll take audio from any like 5.1 audio source, which just means a surround sound audio source and do its AI magic to make it sound like that audio is coming from all around you, even though you've just got a couple of headphones plugged into your ears and. So that's cool. It's not a revolutionary thing, but it's nice that it's coming to the Pixel phones. Google also makes their own earbuds, the Pixel Buds Pro, and those will soon be getting an update that supports head tracking with the spatial audio. So if you are looking straight at your phone and then you turn your head, the audio follows your head and knows where it is. And again, this is not brand new. We talked about this, I think it was over a year ago when Apple For brought Apple. this out, right? right? But it's cool. It is. And I've never gotten to experience it. So oh, it's awesome. I, I would like to check it out. But, and I have a Pixel 6 Pro. I do not have Pixel Buds Pro. So, I don't know. Maybe I can try this out with your stuff someday. <laughs> so,
1: oh, and you don't have access to any AirPods Pro. No. Because the AirPods Pro will do this with an iPad.
0: Mm, I do have an an iPad, but right. no, But no AirPods. Yeah. Right. And it's AirPods Pro only, and and the the, the like five hundred dollar headphones too. I think they're
1: not five hundred. They're they were two something. No, you're thinking again. You're thinking the cans. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm talking about.
1: No, the iPad, the iPods, the AirPods. Their names are so similar. The <laughs> AirPods Pro. Are earbuds?
0: Yes. So those support it, but don't the cans also support the special? Oh yeah, audio? yeah, yeah. That's what I was just trying to say. Is that those two things? So like two hundred fifty or five hundred fifty dollars headphones. Yeah, and and same thing here. Like the Pixel Buds Pro, I think are also two hundred fifty dollars earbuds, which is why I don't have them. I don't need two hundred fifty dollars earbuds to listen to podcast. So yeah, so there you go. Uh, cool features coming to Pixel branded stuff to kind of keep pace with the Apple stuff and Samsung stuff has this too. So there you go. All right. Last real story of, of the show. And this is the one that I think is kind of neat. So it's another set of wireless earbuds from Poly. These are the Poly Voyager Free 60 Plus. Free, F-R-E-E. 60 plus, not 360 free. 60 plus. These also have a touch screen display on them. It's not quite as uh, like, in some ways, it's not as cool. Like, it's not going to s- display notifications from your text messages, which is like, I don't get. I can't respond on your stupid little touch screen. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, but this touch screen does have a lot of other functionality to it. So, these earbuds can be paired to up to eight different devices. Now they can only actively be connected to two devices at a time, but it will remember eight of them. And so on this touchscreen, you can use that touchscreen to say, okay, I was connected to this phone. Now I want to be connected to my iPad or whatever. Nice. My TV, a- any of those things. And that's a, I-, I think that's a really huge deal because there are so many things that I could connect my earbuds to but it's a pain in the ass to repair all the time to all of these different things so i think that's really cool the other thing is uh these have a little usb or USB-C dongle that you can plug into your laptop because they these really are more business focused headphones they're meant to be used for all of your zoom calls that you're on all the time and So they come with a little dongle in case your laptop doesn't have Bluetooth, which seems insane, like they all have Bluetooth (laughs) at this point. What year is this? Exactly. Uh, So they they come with that too, and that fits in the case. Here's the thing that I think is cool though. So it's got a USB-C port on the back for charging the case with the 60 plus headset. It also comes with a cable that's USB-C at one end and three and a half millimeter at the other end. And so let's say you're on a plane. This happened to me this year. Took a plane ride, didn't think to bring wired headphones because I haven't used wired headphones except for podcasting in years. And here's this TV built into the headrest of the seat in front of me that I can only listen to if I plug in wired headphones. I didn't bring any. So I had to use the crappy ones they give you on the plane, which hurt after like five minutes of watching anything.
1: And do nothing to cancel noise.
0: Exactly. With this, you plug that cable into the jack of the airplane uh, TV screen, basically, and then it pipes the audio through your earbuds. Like, is this a revolutionary concept? No. There have been Bluetooth, uh, you know, three and a half millimeter to, to Bluetooth signal repeaters for 15 years, probably, but to have it... Built into the case for wireless yeah. earbuds yeah. is so, so
1: clever. Cool. It's so that smart. really clever.
0: It's so smart. Unfortunately, you're going to pay for it. These earbuds are $350. So while I was just talking about not wanting to spend $250 on earbuds, I'm definitely not spending $350 on these earbuds. Maybe I would if I flew a lot, but I don't. So uh, if you are someone who flies a lot, I would definitely check these out. I think that's a really cool feature.
1: Yeah. And just as a reminder for anybody who didn't recognize the name, Poly is the company formerly known as Polycom, Mm -hmm. which is a combination of the business telephone and audio company, plus various acquisitions in the audio space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever worked in an office and had a wired headset for your phone, it was probably a Polycom, at least if it was good.
1: <laughs> or a Plantronics, which I believe is now owned by Poly.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can expect this to be high quality stuff here. Don't don't be thrown off by the fact that you might not have actually heard of this brand. You probably actually have. So, cool. Well, Richard, we don't normally get into what's going on in our entertainment centers, but since... We're not doing gaming news this this episode. I think we can do it. So, what's been going on in your entertainment center? It's
1: been another month, pretty That's much. That's true. <laughs> so, a bunch. I'll try and go fast. So, for Christmas, I got the new Sonos Sub Mini, oh. which I have wanted since they announced. I'm very excited about that. Put it in the family room where the arc is, and it's fantastic. I didn't realize how much I was missing until I turned it on. And so the first movie that I went to watch with this was Maverick. Oh, man. And I promptly realized that Edward was trying to take a nap while I was watching this. (laughs) So I had to turn it off. Boo. (laughs) But it's great. It's really, really, I'm really happy with it. So I, I... I hope to report more information on this after I've had more time to use it. I also um, finally got around to completely setting up the network and my network storage area in the basement. And this is where my Plex server is. This is where all of the content that I watch throughout my home is kind of home-based. And well, Let's just say it was a wiring disaster mess that included a shelving unit that was outside the closet containing the network wires, all connected by wires coming out of the wall. It was a disaster. <laughs> so I installed a an a, an actual network cage and put power in there and wired the power into the line, and I, I have a really good setup for my network now. And I hub is now relocated down there and all of my smart home bridges and hubs work off of that as well. I'm very excited about that. Now, as far as what I have uh, watched ghosts, the CBS sitcom that Edward and I enjoy quite a lot, had a great Christmas special, really enjoyed that. I have continued to stay up on mythic Quest, watch a little bit more of Bill Maher. I always forget to mention that I watch SNL not as a show, but as highlights on YouTube. So (laughs) I usually watch the cold open, the news segments, and whatever else everybody's talking about. And over the weeks preceding the holiday, there was some pretty good stuff there. I uh, finished season five of The Expanse, and I'm holding out on watching season six because there's some other stuff that I want to get through first. Finished the first season of Avid Elementary. This is a delightful little show that I didn't even know about until the Emmys this year, and I'm so glad I started watching it because it's a lot of fun. It has a second season that I believe is in play right now, and I hope to start that soon. I started Jack Ryan season three. You Watched the earlier Jack Ryans, didn't you, Josh? Yes,
0: and I've also started this.
1: Ah, okay. And are you enjoying it? I'm liking it.
0: I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's good. I hope they take this on for a lot more to go. I, I hope we get more seasons out of this because I think they're doing a great job with it. And it's it's just uh, – it, it reminds me a lot of – the Born movies, yeah. Like, there's just something going on in every episode that's like, holy crap!
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the Born movies are some of my absolute favorite movies.
1: Yeah. So really, really enjoying this. Also started something on HBO Max. I think this is an HBO Max exclusive called Our Flag Means Death. This is a Taika Waititi spoof, and if you know what I mean, he's. The producer in Hollywood that does all this crazy stuff. He did uh, Jojo Rabbit. He did the show that I loved, What We Do in the Shadows, which is a spoof on vampires. This is a spoof on pirates, like pirate ship pirates, Blackbeard, and that sort of stuff. And it's hysterical. I'm thoroughly enjoying that. I started two new Marvel things. I started Marvel's What If? which is an animated series that looks at what might happen in the multiverse if certain events had changed. I don't know what I think about this yet. I haven't decided. I'll let you know. Also started Hawkeye, which didn't get a whole lot of media attention, perhaps until the last week or so, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But... um it- It's a good series. I'm really enjoying it. I'm a couple episodes in, and Edward even watched it with me and was enjoying it. So we'll probably watch that through. And uh, shout out to uh, Jeremy Renner. Hopefully he recovers properly from his injuries. That's just kind of nuts. Uh, Disney has a series that they've made out of the National Treasure movie franchise on Disney Plus called Disney Tre- Disney Treasure, yeah, National Treasure, Edge of History. And I went into this thinking, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> because as cheesy as the National Treasure movies were, they were fun. They were enjoyable. And they had some clever twists of history and science and sociology to come up with a a really fun story. They've done a really good job. We've watched the first couple of episodes, and I am thoroughly impressed by what they've pulled off so far. So I'm looking forward to watching more of this. had a friend over during Christmas, and during that phase we were watching the last few episodes – of Welcome to Wrexham again just because they're so nice and enjoyable and fun and uh, had a good time watching those. Oh, right, Christmas. So we decided to watch some random sitcom Christmas episodes. Just went through the different services to see what people had, and I think we watched an episode of – Uh, community and an episode of Parks and Rec and an episode of 30 Rock and a couple other things that were just Christmas episodes from the sitcoms of the past. And it was fun. It was kind of fun. Watched a bunch of movies. Glass Onion, thoroughly enjoyed it. Totally recommend it. Top Gun Maverick, I didn't get to see this in the theaters. Everyone was so right. This is exactly the movie that everybody wanted. They did such a good job. I totally rate this the best movie I saw last year. Wow. Yeah, I really, really liked it. We watched a Christmas movie that we love. It's totally cheesy. Christmas with the Cranks. Watched the movie Black Widow, which didn't really get great reviews. This is a Marvel movie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good story. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, watched um, Bad Santa. That was weird. It's about 20 years old, I think, now. Maybe not quite that old. It was a weird movie. Really, really weird, but fun. For some reason, I managed to go 57 years in my life without ever seeing the musical Oklahoma. And I've wanted to just because I think it was probably Twister. That made me want to see that because they sing that song, you know, when they're chasing the Oklahoma. So turns out there's a whole lot of music that all of us probably know that came from (laughs) this musical. Right. That I never knew came from this musical. Also, this was Shirley Jones's, the the star of the Partridge family. This was her debut in Hollywood.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like Crazy. And then finally, on the complete cheese scale, we watched the movie Moonfall on HBO, which is a disaster movie about the moon going out of orbit and coming toward to crash on the Earth and thoroughly enjoyed it. It it was just a fun, stupid disaster movie. And I recommend it if you love fun, stupid disaster movies.
0: huh? I was thinking that that was a more serious one, but okay. Interesting.
1: I mean, maybe it tries to take itself more seriously (laughs) than it is, but it's kind of stupid. Okay. But okay. (laughs) Recently, I've been watching a lot of news coverage of the procedural house speaker vote that I knew nothing about in the past, but as I said to Josh when we first started um, getting ready for this week's episode, I never knew so much as I do know about how parliament, uh, not parliamentary procedure, but how our procedure works in our Congress.
0: Well, how much, Richard, how much time could this actually be, be taking a, a, of your viewing time? Because for a hundred years, we've elected a, a House <laughs> speaker on the first vote. How, how long could this actually be taking? Yeah,
1: quite a long time. It turns out, mm. quite a long time. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I really don't know how this is going to play out, no. and it's it's fascinating to me. And I don't want people to assume that I'm, you know, as a liberal Democrat, I'm sitting back and you know, just like playing with my ring, laughing, watching this all play out. I'm truly fascinated by this. I think this is an interesting, an, an interesting play of events that we're seeing happen in front of us that, like you said, we haven't seen happen for a hundred years. And the possibilities of how this play out are fairly limited. But it all depends right now, literally, on people's personalities and ego. Right. So we'll, yeah. Anyway, I don't mention often enough stuff that I am watching on YouTube. As I mentioned with Saturday Night Live, there is a, an educational series on YouTube about the construction industry called the B1M. And the letter B, the number one, the letter M, started by a guy in England who is from the construction industry. This is top-rate documentary stuff. If you loved modern marvels and things like that from the Science Channel, this is right up there at 4K quality. The interviews that he gets, the access that he gets, and the information that he uncovers on construction projects around the world is fascinating. And I highly recommend this if that's the kind of thing that you like. And then finally, on the book front, I finished David Swinson's Crime Song, And I started a new thing. This is a recommendation from Tom Merritt, actually, called Space 1969, which is a science, I forget what the right term for this is, but it's a science fiction history thing. So, what if history hadn't gone the way it really did? And what if, uh, for example, JFK was still alive? What would the space program look like? But it's told. As a radio dramatization with different characters playing the roles, and it's a comedy. It's very bizarre.
0: And it's a comedy. (laughs) It's very bizarre.
1: (laughs) But I'm enjoying it. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's me. I think I did that in roughly 10 minutes, which is surprising given how much space I occupied in the notes. Josh, how about you?
0: So... It's kind of I w- I was gonna say well you know the holidays were not typically home that much so I didn't watch that much but actually I have more on here than usual so on on the gaming side just the usual Call of Duty Modern Warfare two and NHL I don't think I really branched out and did anything else over the last couple of weeks in terms of gaming a little bit of Switch gaming with my daughter but that's not even really worth talking about either and uh, and so in terms of watching stuff college football bowl games. Really, really exciting couple of of college football playoff semifinal games, but seriously, can we stop doing this on New Year's Eve? I I only got to watch one of them. the The Michigan game was at four p.m. because you know our stuff wasn't happening that early. But the Ohio State Georgia game started at eight and basically finished as the ball was dropping, and that meant I was doing stuff with my family instead of watching that football game right and if they just had these games on new year's day i'd be able to watch them so knock it off schedule these for new year's day or some other day than new year's eve because this is dumb really really dumb uh i i did want to bring up uh jack ryan season three i'm loving it and watching it in a slightly different way um And not really the way that I would like to, like the, the cinematography and everything about the production is, is top notch. And I would prefer to be watching it on my LG C2 OLED, but I'm doing something different this year. I signed up for a half marathon training program that started this week and it's a lot of running. And it's winter in Ohio, so I don't really want to do that outside. So I'm doing it on the treadmill, which is even more awful. Like, you think running four miles sucks? (laughs) Try doing it on a treadmill. It's torture. And so, what I started doing is I put on Jack Ryan only while I'm running. Like, that is my encouragement. That is my gift to myself for running. I put on my iPad and I set it on the treadmill, covering up the odometer display so that I will not really be focused on how much farther I have to run. And it's a really nice hack for getting yourself to run further, because your mind is distracted, it's focused on a really great show, and you can't see how much further you've got to go anyway. So it it's like Jack Ryan is getting me through this half marathon training, and it's been <laughs> wonderful.
1: And it's kind of an adrenaline push too, right? Yeah, so- for sure. You know this is this would be like I don't know I the the show that I think of the most where it amps me up while I'm watching it and just start laughing now <laughs> is the Amazing Race
0: yeah I could see so that.
1: that's one of those things that might also be an interesting thing to watch while you're running
0: because it, it's kind of giving you energy right no that that's really smart because so, I'm gonna run out of Jack Ryan episodes pretty quickly and. This is, uh, like, the half marathon isn't until April, so I got a lot of running to do, and I'm going to run out of Jack Ryan episodes.
1: Uh-oh. We're going to find out at some point that Josh starts watching The Amazing Race.
0: Uh, I've watched a little bit of that, because Jen used to really be into The Amazing Race. It's a good reality TV show. It is. For sure. It's a lot better than Big Brother, Richard. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, the maybe the most exciting thing that I'm that I've watched, though, is... On Monday at 1030 a.m., I took my oldest daughter to see Avatar, The Way of Water in theaters on the biggest screen available to us in 3D. Wow. It it really is spectacular. Like, is the story phenomenal? No, it's not. Like, it's still an Avatar movie, uh, but the visuals are so amazing. And if you... If you can see the 3D effect of 3D movies, it's absolutely worth seeing this one in theaters because despite the fact that 3D TVs became a lot more popular when the first Avatar movie released, (laughs) you can't really find 3D TVs anymore. So I'll be curious to see if this changes that and brings 3D back in the home. You know, maybe at CES 2024, we're talking about the resurgence of 3D TVs. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it was a a spectacular visual show. And I complain all the time about movies being too long. And this is three hours and 10 minutes long. And... Ugh. It didn't feel like it was three hours long. I, I didn't think it was too bad. My daughter got a little bit bored during a, a couple of times, and and she said when we were walking out, that final battle took a really long time, and I'm like, you're complaining about that? It was really cool. Like I want the cool parts to be really long, so... Yeah, I I definitely recommend. I have no idea how well this movie is doing in theaters and stuff, but I I hope it's doing well.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, it it's doing very well. After the weekend, it topped the billion dollar mark internationally. Nice. So I believe it is one of the fastest movies, if not the fastest movie, to hit that mark uh, over the Christmas holiday. So
0: awesome. Good. Yeah. When when I first heard that James Cameron was like, yeah, I'm going to make three more Avatar movies, I went, do we really need three more Avatar movies? I kind of want two more Avatar movies after this because it was really well done. I'm not going to buy any of these because I don't want to rewatch it, but it was really cool to see once.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. I thought it was a good story. I thought it was a cool concept. Now that we know the concept, though, I wonder how much it'll Draw me in right so that's that's what I worry about, and three hours I worry about three hours that's just so much, but I will see it eventually probably at home maybe I'll dig out my pioneer fifty five inch plasma 3 d television there you go the 3 d version that I bought specifically after seeing the demos at CES of avatar on the 3 d version of this and You know about my depth perception problems. I have a very hard time seeing 3D. They did this so well in these movies because they're not going for stuff coming at you. They're showing depth, which is a very different way of showing perspective than most 3D movies even bother with. And Cameron did an amazing job with that.
0: Yeah. And in this one, there is a lot of like 3D stuff that is... Effectively in between you and the main focus, so like it's the way of water. There's a lot of water scenes, and so it, they'll show like little things floating in the water in between you and the main character in a way that's cool but not distracting. Like it is just really, really well done. So definitely check that out if cool. you the opportunity. And then lastly, I canceled Apple TV Plus. I'm f- not going to continue to give the money. While I wait for the next season of Ted Lasso, like I'm not watching anything else on Apple TV plus. So I thought, you know, you just raised your rates. I'm canceling this until you release Ted Lasso.
1: Literally three bullets below this line in your notes are three shows that you haven't watched on there yet. <laughs> the morning show for all mankind in Tehran, which you would said that you wanted to watch at some point.
0: And I did watch some of them. I watched one or two episodes of Tehran and one or two episodes of For All Mankind. I'll get back to them at some point. I don't know. Like, maybe I do end up resubscribing to this when I run out of episodes of Jack Ryan because I need something else to watch on the treadmill. But yeah, I got the email from Apple that was like, hey, just wanted to remind you the cost of the subscription is going up. And I thought, you're right, it is. And I haven't watched anything on this service in like two months. So why am I paying? So goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe All of those
1: podcasts I listen to are advertising rocket money. I can cancel it myself. I don't even need rocket money.
0: I don't need rocket money, especially when they're a competitor to the company that I work for. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Uh, That is everything that's going on in my entertainment center. And that does it for effectively the first half of our CES coverage for 2023. Uh, We'll be back with, well, I'll be back with another episode around all of the gaming stuff, uh, probably the day after you're listening to this. So if you're into the gaming stuff, make sure you grab the next episode. Also, in the meantime, if you want to send us feedback, And let us know what you think of all of the news coming out of CES. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Pollard. The website is at DigiMediaZone on Twitter. We're also both on Mastodon. Richard is the only Richard Gunther on Mastodon, so you don't have to worry about what server he's on. And I just double-checked. I am the only Josh Pollard on Mastodon, so we're making it easy. There you go. Or at least easier, because Mastodon is still... Kind of complicated. But at least finding us on Mastodon is not complicated. Just look for our names and that's us. So find us there. Um, And uh, Richard, what about Home On? What's going on with, with Home On lately?
1: Yeah, we had a new episode out for our annual Fireside Chat. That's the show I was teasing last time with the hosts from the Smart Home Show, Adam and me the host from Home Tech, and Mike Wolf, the originator of technology.fm and the Smart Home Show. He now hosts the Spoon podcast. So we all got together. We had a great end of year discussion that went on all of our feeds. But if you haven't listened yet, I'm going to put my pitch in that if you listen to it on the DMC, you're going to get a, the version that's 12 minutes shorter. 12 minutes of ums and pauses. 12 minutes. Cause that's how podcasting works.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, always the best version available right here at thedigitalmediazone.com. So, check that out. It was a really, really good episode. A really good one. A lot of fun. Also, over at our website, you can find our live stream. We are back to doing the show live. And it's, well, It might move to Wednesday nights more regularly while I'm working on this half marathon training thing. We'll see.
1: By Uh, the way, I'm just hearing about this for the first time too. He for sure is.
0: Yeah. I like to spring (laughs) things on him while we're recording the show. It's more fun that way. So (laughs) we'll see. It's usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on socials to find out when exactly we're going to be on Or when you do watch it, if you watch us on Twitch, you can subscribe there and you'll get notified when we go live from Twitch. So lots of opportunities to find out when the show is live, where you can come see us talking and participate in the chat room. It's a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for episode 609. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.
1: Goodbye.